reading of the scriptures, reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, and I invite your reverent hearing of God's word as we find it here in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you again to join me in a time of prayer. Father, again, we bow our heads to you in prayer. We begin with worship. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. And we worship and praise God the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, very God of very God and God the Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. And we pray to return our thanksgivings to you for all of your loving kindness to us, for the grace with which you have lavished upon us in Christ, for your fatherly care day by day, knowing our needs, providing all that is necessary for life and godliness for the gift of the Spirit, uh, for this love of God that has been poured into our hearts through the ministry of the Spirit. For our great redemption, we return thanks. We are thankful for the privilege of uh, intercessory prayer to lift up the cares of each one here. Uh, For those who are not with us because of infirmity and illness, we pray that you would be near to them Uh, We pray that you would uh, uh, give them healing, uh, that you would give them uh, strength for each day. Uh, We pray for those who may be discouraged over some issue of life, that uh, you would lift up their hearts. Uh, We pray that you would intervene in circumstances that may distress us, bring those Uh, circumstances to good conclusions. Uh, As we live life under the sun, where all manner of things might happen to us, 
may we remember that we also live life under heaven and under the providence of God who works all things together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So may we rest in this. And in the midst of our distresses, uh, give us the peace of God that passes understanding as we cast our cares upon you. We do pray, Father, that you would intervene and protect us from physical dangers, from the spread of disease and spread of violence and lawless men. Uh, and in the midst of all these things, that you would bless us as a congregation uh, to stand firm in one spirit, to have regard for the welfare of our brothers and sisters and the faith, uh, to be models of genuine love one for another as we indeed stride side by side for the faith of the gospel. And we are thankful for the Word of God. This life to us, it reveals uh, the mind of God for us. Uh, it strengthens us. It guides us. And we are thankful for your servant, Phil, and his ministry in the Word to us this morning. And, but we ask that your Spirit would grant illumination into the Word and would lead us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers of so all these things we pray to the glory of our God in heaven and to Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. If uh, memory serves me, uh, the Hurricane uh, Katrina, that's the right one. Seems like there's uh, always a number of them. It visit our coastlands every year and... Uh, Certainly in a city that's uh, below sea level, uh, like um, New Orleans, uh, ends up being incredible damage. I think a number of levees broke. Uh, on occasion, I'm sure some earthen dam gives way. Again, flooding, great tragedy. Uh, but this morning, uh, there is uh, there's another dam that's going to break for us in light of the doctrine of justification. It's the, uh, the dam of, uh, of, uh, of God who is withholding uh, blessings of, uh, that he has for his sons, and that, that dam breaks. And so there's a flood, an unending flood of blessings that break upon the sons of God. And to use the, uh, the water metaphor, they, they carry us away uh, on our journey to heaven uh, because of God's uh, great love. And, and our text this morning is just that. Uh, the fruits of justification affirm all the blessings of God to us and certainly the hope of eternal salvation. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, theology, we are shifting from the doctrine of justification to uh, the subjective work of God in our hearts. Uh, the doctrine of justification, as you know, is a legal decree. It's an objective reality. Uh, God declares his uh, children to be uh, righteous uh, based upon the righteousness of his son imputed to them. Uh, and then he dispatches their spirit to affect a subjective work in their hearts. Uh, justification is entirely a courtroom. Sanctification occurs in our hearts. And our text begins to mark a shift, God now working in our hearts 
causing us to understand the blessings uh, that accrue to us uh, because of his great goodness. Uh, in particular, that faith in Christ results in a, a flood of eschatological blessings that have begun. They have started. Uh, and they're going to run their course until uh, Christ comes and a world without end begins. And nothing, of course, can stop it uh, because God's going to bless his sons, to be sure. Uh, the, uh, the shift in this change from a courtroom to our heart or the doctrine of justification uh, to the blessings of God in our heart that we know is uh, sanctification uh, uh, begin, of course, in verse 1. The New American Standard reads, therefore, having been justified by faith, uh, uh, the word justification here is, is in the form of a participle, uh, and I believe it's a causal participle. Uh, in other words, uh, I prefer uh, my own reading that uh, because we've been justified by faith, So it, it encompasses uh, uh, antecedent action, justification, and then subsequent action, and that subsequent action is delineated in the rest of the paragraph because we've been justified. Uh, in other words, because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us, we have. What do we have? All the blessings of sonship, and Paul's going to list a number of them. Now think about that. There is this objective reality that occurs in God's courtroom. We weren't even there. We didn't have anything to do with it. But nonetheless, God in his grace justifies us because of the righteousness of Christ. We apprehend it by faith, and then the dam breaks. All these blessings simply cascade upon us. Uh, and we know from the text, they will carry us into eternity. Uh, remember a number of years ago, um, uh, there was a book uh, written uh, entitled The Millionaire Next Door. It's about millionaires in the United States, and oftentimes we, we don't have a clue because of the cars they drive. And they don't flaunt anything, but they just simply, they're millionaires, and probably they're millionaires because of, uh, how they govern their daily affairs, the cars they drive, and et cetera, et cetera, and their savings. But uh, what I'm trying to say in all of that is, uh, if you have been justified by God in his grace, uh, you are more than a millionaire. I mean, we, we, could, we could start adding zeros, and Paul's going to add the zeros for us. First, we have peace with God, obviously through Christ alone. Men cannot make peace with God. Christ does. Now, the word peace obviously refers to a cessation of hostilities. Uh, before Christ, uh, God was angry with us every day. Yeah. And because of Christ, uh, the war ends, the greatest peace treaty of all time. Uh, we just uh, finished, did we not, celebrating uh, Armistice Day, 11-11, sometimes known as Veterans Day, but again, Armistice Day, the end of uh, World War I. 
uh, peace in our times. Um, we even commemorated, as you know, a silver dollar at it after it uh, celebrating it called the peace dollar. Maybe you have some at home and somewhere. Uh, but hostilities have ended, but it also has the nuance of well-being and prosperity. And this text speaks to our well-being, our spiritual well-being and our spiritual prosperity. It's really a shame that in our culture, we, when I use the word prosperity, you think, well, oh, great. Uh, God's going to advance my bank account. Well, I hope he does. And, and, uh, uh, but uh, the greater wealth is spiritual prosperity. In all this world where people are desperate for peace, uh, I'm always profoundly troubled when I read about the suicide of young people, just people that are troubled and the troubles carry them away. Something else carries us away because we have peace with God. And he brings well spiritual well-being and the healing that comes uh, from having been justified or because we are justified. Incredible healing. Uh, the text is an allusion, I believe, to a number of texts in uh, the book of Isaiah. Turn in your Old Testament. I'm going to simply hop, skip, and, skip and jump around to, to three of them that, that alludes, uh, 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 that Paul alludes to uh, based upon the word for peace. Isaiah 32, 17. It's a beautiful text. The prophet writes, and the work of righteousness will be peace. Think of that in terms of the theology of Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Because we've been justified by the righteousness of Christ, we have peace. See the unity of the scriptures, can you not? The beauty of biblical theology. Isaiah 53, 5, that we know is the fourth servant song. Speaking of the cause of our peace. We cannot cause it. We cannot make peace. God does through his son. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being, and that's literally the word peace, the chastening uh, for our peace fell upon him. We have peace because of Christ. Not for any other reason. It, it, I mean, it's really kind of sad when you think about people trying to make peace with God uh, when only Christ can make it, and he does make it. Uh, and so they, uh, they believe in self-atonement. Self-atonement will never work, never work, uh, because uh, God is infinitely holy and majestic and righteous. Uh, only he can provide atonement that will satisfy him, and he does in his son. The outcome is peace. Uh, Isaiah 54.10 uh, is a beautiful text because it speaks to the immutability and eternality of our peace. That when it breaks upon us as a flood, it will carry us into eternity. Isaiah 54.10, For 
For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken. Says the Lord, who has compassion on you, will not be shaken. Everything else around us is shaking, is it not? People terrified of COVID and, and I don't know, terrified of flu season and this disease and uh, terrified of the nations and um, on and on we could list. But our, our peace is eternal. Cannot be shaken. God has ratified it with the shedding of the blood of his son. It's fixed for all time. The spiritual well-being that accrues to us. Uh, the first being peace. The context of second part of Isaiah is most profound because it's our spiritual exodus from this world to the world of eternal glory. From that which is temporal, ephemeral, always changing, we're being swept into eternal glory. Because of the righteousness of Christ charged to our account. Second, we have through him access into grace. Access into grace. Uh, you know, uh, on the cross, Christ was dying uh, there in the Holy of Holies and uh, temple. Um, the curtain that uh, separated the holy place and the holy of holies was ripped from top to bottom, symbolizing pictorial reference that now we have access to God all the time, all of the time. There's never a moment in your life uh, when you don't have access. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 2. Uh, in verse 18. Uh, context is uh, proclaiming of the gospel and peace, uh, verse 17. Uh, verse 18, for through him we have our access in one spirit to the Father. We have access. Think about it. The Old Testament, the high priest once a year gained access to the Holy of Holies where the Spirit of God localized His presence in the tabernacle. We have access every day. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12. In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Boldness and confidence. We don't need to go with fingers crossed. We don't need to say, Mother, may I? We, we can go as, as sons or daughters, but as sons of the covenant. Holy of holies is open to us. It implies needs, but also the treasury of heaven to meet and sustain us. Uh, remember when I was in business, occasionally uh, uh, you, would, you would make... Uh, cold calls. Uh, so you walk into Corporation X and you go to the secretary or the office manager and you say, may I, uh, may I see Mr. or Mrs., the case may be, um, 
more often than not, I would hear words like, well, <laughs> uh, look at my card again, uh, Phil, <laughs> do, do you have an appointment? Well, well, no, I'm just here, I want to touch bases and see if I can. I was very busy today, or she is, she's quite busy today. So, uh, uh, Mr. Bowers, why don't you call back? Okay, I get it. I, oh, denied access. Happens more often than not. Rarely were you ever well received. Oh, sure, come on in. Oh, yes, I need your product. Uh, uh, hand me your order book. I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. No, it's never happened. Denied access. Remember a couple of years ago, I was with my uh, family. We uh, going to Virginia, um, and uh, one of our stopping places was uh, Washington, D.C. and White House. I was struck by the little guard shack, people streaming in, going into the West Wing, I presume, showing their badges. Often wondered, what if I went in and flashed my Oklahoma driver's license? That, that'd get me into the president, would it not? No, I'd be denied access. You know, go away, little boy. Here's a sucker. Go play in the street. Yeah. You know. Um, it's pretty hard to see the president, isn't it? And for right, rightfully so. We, we have access to the eternal God of heaven. We can carry our needs there. Uh, we can make petition. Um, love the text, Peter, casting all our cares upon God. Because... He cares for us. Access. Think about it. Those of you who are salesmen making cold calls. Or maybe you do it on the telephone. Or I know in this modern age you do it on your phone or computer. We have it. Trite phrase 24-7. All the time. Holy of holies. Needs, of course, um, Treasury of heaven opened and uh, uh, peace and access. These, sometimes these imply uh, needs, do they not? Uh, one of the needs is listed, uh, verse 3. We exult in our tribulation. Uh, how can we do that? Well, because we're sons. We're sons. I bet you the son of the president can get access most any time he wants. Well, we're the sons of God. Tribulation. Parallel to the end time exodus is the end time tribulation in which the forces of darkness will try to reclaim us. You see, the forces of darkness are not happy that we've been so blessed and they will attempt to undermine uh, and uh, rob our peace and uh, take away uh, our sense of well-being and spiritual prosperity. And sometimes evil men, women will try to deceive us and sweep us away. God will, God will provide a way of escape. And because we are so blessed, we boast in it because we have, we have the victory in, in Christ. We've been justified. Again, all the more meaningful is because we weren't even there. We weren't even at the court. We couldn't get in. Yet the court blessed us, and then the judge says, uh, to his uh, agent, the Holy Spirit, 
go and pour out my blessings in their hearts. And that's what we're reading about this morning. And thus we know that tribulation works perseverance and approval and hope, and we need all of those things to continue faithful, and God works them in our character, that we would persevere. And thirdly, verse 5, this hope of glory will not disappoint. Does not disappoint because the end is certain. The text reads, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now, I love that phrase, hope does not disappoint. Uh, the hope we have in God will not disappoint. Even, even times in our prayers where God says, well, wait, uh, or perhaps he says no, we know we're not, we're not going to be disappointed because he's all wise and sovereign and he knows what's best, and uh, he will work uh, to affect the glory of his Son in our sanctification. And our end, of course, is certain. The expectation of resurrection to glory, in spite of the dangers of our journey, will come to pass. Will come to pass. Um, I believe this text is an echo of, of a number of psalms. If you want to turn in your Old Testament, Psalm 22. Because our world is filled with disappointment, and and we get disappointed. If you're a student, you wanted an A+, and you you maybe get a C+. You're a businessman, you lose the order. Uh, Another salesman gets your account. Whatever the case might be. Family member disappoints. God God's promises do not disappoint. Uh, Psalm uh, 22.5, To thee I cried out and were delivered. In thee they trusted and were not disappointed. Children of Israel. God doesn't, doesn't disappoint his sons. We should be careful about our expectations of God because he doesn't exist to make us happy. He exists to glorify himself and to bless his sons and our spiritual blessings and well-being uh, will not disappoint us. Psalm 25, 3. Indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be ashamed. Uh, God asks us to wait upon him. Uh, We're waiting for the revealing of the sons of God in glory. Sometimes it's very difficult to wait. We get impatient. Uh, we, we wait upon the Lord. We will not be ashamed. God will vindicate us before the world. Psalm 25, 20. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee. In time, if you will, Uh, when our justification becomes visible. God will display to the world, these were my sons. He will vindicate us before the world. And they will be ashamed. And we will be vindicated. Promises of God. It's a reminder that God will not fail us. He delivers. Uh, And the cause, verse 5, amplifies uh, their certainty. Notice the cause 
through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God was poured out in our part, in our hearts. Holy Spirit given. Again, you can see the shift here in the objective reality of justification uh, to the Spirit of God working in our hearts. Uh, one is a legal event. Sanctification is a moral event in our hearts. And the Spirit is there in our hearts working. Infusing grace within us. Notice the shift in words. Justification is the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. Now the Spirit of God is infusing grace within us. With the reality that our hope is true. Uh, again, the agent is the Spirit. Think in the eternal covenant of redemption. Uh, the Father is saying, I'm going to save my sons. I'm going to send my son uh, to accomplish their salvation and then I'm going to send my spirit uh, to work in their hearts. Uh, the, the voice here uh, in the Greek text is a passive voice. Meaning we were passive, the spirit is now working within us. Uh, applying the accomplishments of Christ upon the cross. Um, if you will, typified, I think, in a beautiful way by John Murray's book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Accomplished on the cross. Applied in time by the Spirit. And the Spirit comes uh, to affect what Christ did upon the cross. Uh, the immediate effect is our regeneration. He makes us alive. And then there's this cascading flow of the blessings of God, having been regenerated because of Christ and work of the Spirit. And Christ purchased all the Father gave him, and the Father sends his Spirit to secure them to the end. Passive voice, so, so beautiful. Uh, my favorite illustration of the passive voice is in 1 Corinthians 15, the coming of Christ. God acts upon us. And Paul says a couple of times, most beautiful words, I think, and perhaps some of the most beautiful words in all the scripture, and we shall be changed. At that point, sanctification turns into glorification. All because of the accomplishment of, of, uh, of Christ upon the cross and the sending of the great agent of the Spirit working within us. And then by divine fiat, the grave will be opened and we shall be changed into glory, I should add, into glory. First uh, John chapter 4, 13. This we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. In much of evangelical theology today, uh, the, the work, the coming of the spirit is something we got to work for. And uh, so we, we go and pray for the spirit to come upon us and Maybe he will really bless us and we will speak in some heavenly language and on and on. And uh, some churches, you'll see them fall down as if dead and they'll stack them to the side as people come forward to be blessed by the Spirit. You come to Christ. You get the full deal. The Spirit is given. Doesn't withhold. 
No second work of grace. Everything becomes a work of grace to affect uh, the totality of our salvation. It's all seamless, seamless in the eternal mind of God, from the Father to the Son to the Spirit. Blessings. And at no point are we left to wander self-directed. At no point can we ever be lost. Uh, and the presence of the Spirit of God given to us because of our justification, the Spirit's given to us, comes into our hearts. The Spirit is the guarantor. It will all come to pass. And again, God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail. Uh, in the words of uh, John Murray, it is implausible, Murray writes, that one for whom Christ gave his life to purchase could ever be lost. I, I remind you, as I often do, in so many Christian denominations, Roman Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodoxy, uh, semi-Pelagians, Arminians, if you don't work hard enough, you can fall away and be lost. And then you need to be saved all over again. And think about that. Because it's utterly fallacious. When Christ does something on the cross to purchase his sons, how could he ever lose them? They didn't deserve what he did in the first place. I mean, does his grip grow weak? Does he need to go to the Academy and buy some of those deals so we can hold on tighter? No, he's the eternal God, God the Son. When he does something, he doesn't do temporal. He does forever. He purchases his sons, and the Spirit in our hearts is the guarantor that we shall be changed. And the reason is that the Spirit is our guide. Learn more about that beginning in Romans chapter 8, but nonetheless, uh, in the theology of John Murray, which is really the theology of Scripture, it beggars the imagination that Christ could purchase and yet come to lose for one whom the love of the Father and the presence of the Spirit abides. Beggars the imagination because it's utterly illogical and not true. Confirmation of this is in verses 68, 6a. Before Christ, we were ungodly and helpless. This refers to our total inability to know, to come to, or much less follow God. But to inaugurate the end times, Christ died to begin the end time restoration of the people of God. He begins it, affects their justification, and the Spirit follows on. to use a German term, blitzkrieg of blessings. The spiritual realm, men outside of Christ, did not have freedom or ability. They try to reform themselves, but they cannot. They think that they can reform themselves and come to the glories of heaven on their own. They cannot. It takes a sovereign power, the triune God, and the blessings of imputation and the blessings of the Spirit, an infusion into the heart. It takes Christ's righteousness to remove every legal obstacle and liability and to give us an immutable status as the sons of God. 
And that opens the floodgates of blessings that pour through divine provision, including uh, sanctification, glorification. And so verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And then while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how could we be lost? Because of the love of God. In contrast to our inability and lack of power, he demonstrates or makes known his love to us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners meaning we couldn't reform ourselves. 1 John 4.10, and this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. And we know in the rest of the text, we love God because he loved us first. He got there first and works, causing our love for him. The infant and changing love of God from eternity past affected our salvation in time by his son. And the Spirit of God comes in total harmony and unity with the Father and the Son and the blessings and effectual calling, regeneration, and leading to glory break upon us. And again, as we go through Romans, we, we learn that, I mean, it only becomes more intense as we, as we learn about the work of the Spirit. Fourth, fourth blessing, verse 9. Because we've been justified by his blood, we shall be saved through him from eternal wrath. As our substitute eternal wrath fell upon him instead of us. And by his payment, he effected complete and total satisfaction, thereby making our eternal salvation certainty. Uh, I love the language in Colossians 2. He canceled the certificate of debt, which existed of decrees against us because of our sin and our guilt. He canceled it, paid in full. Paid in full. Uh, meaning that he will not send another demand for payment because payment was made one time for all time through Jesus Christ. That's why we can't be lost. It was paid in full. And by that payment, eternal salvation is a certainty. Uh, verse 9, uh, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Uh, our salvation now is certain, saved from the wrath of God. Because wrath fell upon him, it cannot fall upon us. No double jeopardy with God because of Christ. Since he paid it, we will never have to pay those who are outside of Christ will pay throughout all eternity because God is an eternal person. If you're not a Christian, uh, that debt will come due. It's coming every day, but will come due certainly in eternity because we are in Christ uh, and he paid for us. Uh, the bill uh, demanding future payments canceled. Canceled. Uh, let me say it in a different way. Canceled forever. Because God on the cross and in the work of the Spirit does not do temporal 
He does eternal. The blessings of God. Of the future tense, we shall be saved from wrath. Um, shall be saved. Speaks to absolute certainty. Certainty. Not maybe. Uh, we don't walk around with our fingers crossed. We don't use contingent language like, oh, maybe, man, maybe if I'm good enough. I remember I was pheasant hunting one year. I never will forget this. I went in, sat down at the breakfast table, and um, guy comes and, well, you guys doing any good? Uh, no, not doing very good. Of course, if you knew how I shoot, you understand why. No, not doing very good. His words were, well, you're not paying the preacher enough. I thought, what? God's made the payment. We, we don't give for self-atonement. We get out of joy and thanksgiving. So, um, for God's elect future salvation is divine certainty. And the Trinity is pledged. God the Father decrees it. God the Son accomplishes it. And the Spirit of God comes in seamless perfection to make it happen. I understand there's an outworking over time. Uh, but that time is set in motion and now certain. And the end state is now irrevocable. We shall be saved from wrath. Lastly, verses 10 and 11. Christ secured our reconciliation. While we were enemies. And again, the reason he's detailing our total depravity is to cause us to reckon that we didn't affect it and we can't change it. Because if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Again, certainty is set in motion because of the work of the Son, work of the Spirit. Reconciliation is uh, really a synonym for Romans 5, verse 1, peace. Uh, by the way, we did not affect reconciliation. God did. We cannot reconcile ourselves to God. He does through His Son. So He affects the re reconciliation. He makes peace. While we were enemies, by the way, think about it. While we were enemies. How much more is the certainty that we shall be saved by His life? Gets, it, it is as if at the cross and the cancellation of the certificate of our debts and the seamless application by the Spirit, it's as if the life-giving power of the resurrection just simply sweeps us up in a cascading flood to drive us into heaven in eternal glory. Because we were justified through Christ. God declares it to be so, and then he secures it. Incredible grace of God blessings. Um, as you know, in most uh, denominations, uh, you, can, uh, you can fall away uh, if you're not doing good enough. 
They just simply do not understand the work of the Trinity. They simply do not understand the application of our redemption. And therefore, they can be lost. We can't be because of the cross, because of the Son, because of the Spirit working within us. So unlike uh, the dams in our great storms like Katrina or whatever the name of the next one is, uh, when the dam of the judgment that God breaks, it won't catch us. There's another a broken dam that is catch, catching us, and that is God's sovereign grace, working all these things uh, and blessing us as sons. Um, the blessings that accrue to us are life-giving, generation of power uh, that is ours because of the Spirit within us. And so having been justified, we are flooded with the blessings of peace, given continual access to grace, uh, reminded of the sure and certain hope of glory and salvation from the final judgment, and reconciled now and forever. Never, never needing reconciliation again, because God made it so. Uh, and it is important as the sons of God that we, we begin to grasp a measure of these blessings uh, because they are indeed transformational. They're a provocation to worship and to praise, provocation to live accordingly, uh, provocation to, uh, to learn more, uh, uh, to learn more. Uh, it's as if we have tasted a delicious amount, and we want more, and God will so deliver. <laughs>